in a series called Living the Light. And I uh, was here last week to listen to Pastor Dick and uh, asked if, if he, he, I knew that a lot was going on in his life. I said, is there anything that uh, we can do? And he, he says, will you be available to preach Sunday? So here I am. <laughs> I never turned down an opportunity to uh, share the word of the Lord. Um, way back in my early Christian life, uh, the Plymouth Assembly of God in Plymouth, New Hampshire, the pastor called me one uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday actually, and he said, uh, I'm really not feeling good, Brother John. He says, could you fill in tomorrow? And, uh, and I, I hemmed and hawed and I said, I, I don't really think I've, I've, I've got anything ready. And uh, I hung up, and the Holy Spirit said, you don't have anything ready? <laughs> Called him right back and said, I'm on. <laughs> so, so Romans 11.29 says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable or irrevocable. That is... When God gives them, he does not take them back. They're yours. He gives them to you for special purposes to do something with them. And we are to use our gifts while living out our calling. They're two very different things. In the Greek, gifts is the word charisma. It's a familiar word to us. It's a, it's a divine gratuity. It's a deliverance from danger or passion. It's a spiritual endowment, a miraculous faculty, a free gift. Wow, all that in the gift, a miraculous faculty. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, says Romans 6.23. Now, I want to say that there are other words in the Bible trans, uh, use, what use the English word gifts, but they are not the same as these gifts. Uh, these, gi these gifts are things that we give, like you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, or we cast our gifts into the treasury in, in another passage in the Gospels. But these are gifts that the Lord gives, and he gives them to each one of us to use in his kingdom. It's pardon, it's favor, it's, it's rescue, it's deliverance, it's forgiveness, and it's all freely given to us. We've received it freely. He wants us to give back freely. Freely. I know many of you here, some of you don't know me, but uh, just very briefly, I uh, uh, gave my life to Jesus at the age of 40. I like to tell everybody I spent the first 40 years of my life in Egypt, uh, second 40 years of my life wandering in the wilderness. Uh, I'm still wandering in the wilderness, although I'm past that second 40 by a year, and uh, I'm hoping to eventually arrive in the promised land. <laughs> I'm on that journey. But when I 
gave my life to Jesus, the uh, man who was instrumental in guiding me to, to Christ, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, uh, he wanted me to get involved right away in church. Uh, he, he, uh, he said, not too long, he said, you should be teaching. And uh, so I'm, okay. <laughs> uh, so, he, so they gave me fourth and fifth graders. <laughs> and it was a disaster. <laughs> but it's not the end of the story. Uh, I, after a quarter, I said, this is not for me. Uh, maybe teaching, but not, not 10 and 11-year-olds. It was, it was terrible. Uh, later, an opportunity came to teach an adult class. Oh, that was much more my liking. I mean, at least they may not have been listening, but at least they weren't running around. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but I got to thinking, so maybe, maybe my gift is teaching. Uh, I never really thought that much about that. Uh, I spent nine years in broadcasting, so I did a lot of talking, usually to an audience that I could not see because of talking into a microphone. Uh, the guy that I was working with had a broadcasting school in Boston, and he said, we could really use another teacher. Would you like to teach? Sure. It was extra money. I had the time. I did it. I didn't do well at that either. But I realized, finally, in this case, the reason I didn't do well was because I didn't really believe in what I was teaching. I was in the sort of in the eighth or ninth year of my own experience in broadcasting. I had felt that I'd gone about as far as I was going to go with, uh, without uh, making changes, like changing my location and things like that. And I didn't want to do that at the time. I had a wife and a couple of kids, and I didn't want to pack them up and go to some strange place and the opportunity to do something that I've already done. So, uh, but I realized these, these kids that came, this is a, I think about a 50 week course and uh, you were gonna graduate and get a job in, in Machias or Presque Isle or you know, Minnetonka, Minnesota or something like that and start at uh, minimum wage. And these kids, well those, one kid in, in particular, this kid, this guy, he took the bus up from Fall River every day to go to broadcasting school. And uh, he couldn't even pronounce his own name properly. His name was Jodge Saber. It was, it was really George Saber. And I used to think, this poor kid, he had, he had such a heart to do this, but he didn't have any talent. And I realized, I, I don't believe in this thing. No wonder I can't teach it well. I, you know, I, I know what these kids are going to go through. And most of them are not going to make it. I think broadcasting is sort of like the lowest form of entertainment, you know, <laughs> that you get paid to do. I mean, you know, for every, for every movie star that's making millions of dollars, there are, uh, there, are, uh, there are millions working in other jobs who had the, amb the ambition and the aspiration to be on stage but didn't make it. And so I said, oh, 
anyhow, I didn't, and I wasn't saved at the time. But after, after coming to Jesus, I realized that I, I didn't believe in what I was teaching, therefore I was a terrible teacher. I believe in this. I believe in this with all my heart. I wasn't saved too long when I was captivated by the word of God. Now, I was in a church that really, really didn't, uh, they ignored the Old Testament except for maybe the Psalms and, and the stories of David and Joseph and Goliath and things like that, but they, they ignored the Old Testament, but they focused on the New, and that was fine for that time. But now I love the whole Bible from one end to the other. It is, this is, this is everything from the beginning to the end. It's his story. It's history from beginning to end. And if you get into it, he will get you into it deeper. <laughs> he, he, will, uh, he will show you things about his word that will amaze you. And they'll be very special just for you. So that was my experience with teaching. Remember I said the first job was teaching fourth and fifth graders. Now my wife and I have spent the last nine years in Good News Clubs in Florida. Good News Clubs are an after-school, once-a-week activity where kids come and learn Bible stories. They sing Bible songs. They learn Bible verses. They have fun, and I love it. I teach the Bible stories. <laughs> uh, they are from kindergarten to sixth grade. <laughs> kindergarten to sixth grade. Some of the kindergartners fall asleep in the middle of the story, but they've had a tough day at school. And I make allowance for that. <laughs> I don't fuss at them. I just do what God has told me to do. So I love teaching. That's my gift. I married a woman who's a teacher and has the same gifts. So we, we do a lot of this kind of stuff together. It's such a joy. And I believe in it. Like I said, I believe in his word and what he has called me to do. So that's my gift. <laughs> that's my gift. The Bible has two, li two lists of gifts that I want us to focus on. The first one is found in the 12th chapter of Romans. The 12th chapter of Romans is a chapter worth reading often and letting, letting the Lord speak to you it's about your role in his kingdom. And uh, the lists begin really at, at verse 4 because Paul now is saying we have many members in one body. We're one body. You are many members. But all the members do not have the same function. So since we're many, we're also one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of one another. We are put together that way. So we've come together. We have different gifts. Not everyone can do what I do. Not everyone can do what someone else does. But each of us has a gift. These gifts are now enumerated in verses 6, 7, and 8. At first, he says there are gifts differing according to the grace given to us. You realize we're all given grace? 
And that grace is also a miraculous thing. It is by grace that we've been saved, through faith, not of our own works. It had to be that way. Otherwise, we'd think we were something. We need to think nothing of ourselves. I, the old expression that I use is, God doesn't want us to think less of ourselves. He wants us to think of ourselves less. Got that? I think that's cute. <laughs> so he says, since we have this grace and these gifts have been given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. The first one is prophecy. He says, if, if, you, if your gift is prophecy, then prophesy according to the faith that's given to you. Open your mouth when you get a thought that comes from the Lord. Or ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. Now, the word there really means service. Some people are just servants. They just want to help. And that's good. That's a gift. Then it says, he who teaches, teach. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives, be liberal with your giving. He who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then for the rest of the chapter, he pretty much elaborates on these gifts and how they should be used and how they should function in the body. This is a story that I heard a long time ago about these gifts, and it goes something like this. I probably don't have it all just exactly right, but uh, there's a party. And all of these Christians have gathered, and they all have these gifts uh, individually. And as the hostess is coming out with the birthday cake, she trips and falls, and the cake goes on the floor. And the one who had the gift of prophecy said something like, I sort of thought that would happen. I had an impression that that might happen. And the Minister, the minister, the one, the servant, the servant type person, he gets the dustpan and brush and he's cleaning up the cake that's on the floor. The teacher in the group says, let's examine this and see how we might do it differently next time it happens. The exhortation says, we didn't need the cake, let's get on with the party. And the one who gives says, I'll go out and buy another cake. And the one who shows mercy goes and puts his, his or her arm around the host and says, it's going to be all right. Let our love be without hypocrisy. The gifts. A nice list, list of gifts. Then there's another list found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are the spiritual gifts. Not that the others aren't spiritual, but these have a little different slant to them. And Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he begins this chapter by saying, listen, for concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. He says that a lot in this letter. And he, doesn't want, he wants people to know what this life is all about. Don't you want to know what this life is all about? It's, it's a new discovery almost every day. So he says, there, beginning at, at verse 4, there are diversities of gifts. There are different gifts 
but it's the same spirit behind them. Then he says there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works in it all. And then he says there's a manifestation of the spirit, but it's given for profit of everyone. These gifts which God gives us are not for us. Don't ever think that you've got this gift and wow, you're something. No, no, you're nothing. He is everything, I'm nothing. These gifts are to be used for the profit of all, not for our own benefit. It's so important that we realize that. It's all about him, folks. Everything from beginning to end, it's all about him. Here are the gifts. Verse 7 being the whole purpose of the gifts is for everybody's profit. There's a, a gift, there's a word of wisdom. A word that you can give to somebody that you, that you didn't, it's not your own thought. I always said, People say, how, how do you know it's, how do you know it's, it's God's voice when, in, your, in your head or when you, when, you know, when you have, when you have a, a prompting? I said, my definition is that you know it's God if it's a loud thought that you'd never think yourself. <laughs> uh, that's the spirit. Big difference between the spirit and your flesh. A, a, a word of wisdom to someone that you didn't, no, and, but God gives it to you. The Spirit gives it to you. There's a word of knowledge. It's a very similar thing. There is faith as a gift of the Spirit. Now, all of us have a measure of faith. The Bible tells us that. But this is someone who has an extraordinary faith. There are gifts of healing. There is a working of miracles. There are prophecies. This is different from the one who prophesies in the Romans. This is a gift. This is a gift that goes beyond the ordinary. There is a discerning of spirits. What I think when Pastor Dick was sharing the, the healing, you know, he had a discerning of a spirit, a generational spirit. Because well, my, my dad, my whole, if, you, if you hear people saying, well, the whole, my whole family's had it for generations, <laughs> Look out. Then there are different kinds of tongues. And there's the interpretation of tongues. Those are the most, that, the, that's the area that's the most controversial. But it is a gift of the Spirit, and it is still there, contrary to what some folks will tell you. Because God is the same, uh, like Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the, the, uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So those are the gifts. The, three, the free gift of salvation is the first and most important gift that we receive. Without that gift, we would be on our way to hell. It's offered, but we have to receive it. It is a whosoever gift. Are you a whosoever? I was. Not everybody takes the offer. Why is that? I 
chose the passage in Luke as one example of why people don't take the gift. That's a Luke chapter 9 at the end of the chapter. Luke says that they were on the road and someone came to Jesus and, the, and this person said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, he doesn't say what the man's response was to that, but I suspect it was, hmm, I'm going to think, going to take a second thought about this following Jesus. He has no home. <laughs> then, another, then Jesus turns to another one and says, follow me. But this one says, uh, I got to go first and bury my father. And Jesus, Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. No response here as to what this person did, but I suspect he decided he would go and bury his father. Not now, Jesus. Let me get a few other things in order before I, before I follow you. Another said, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me go and say goodbye to my friends. And Jesus said, listen, if you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back. You're not fit for the kingdom if you look back. The kingdom of God is always moving forward, always forward. There are excuses. I had my own. I had my own excuses for many years. Something I could do when I was older. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm older. I'm doing it. <laughs> but I had 40 years of preparation. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we, we have our excuses. But we have our choices. I want to tell you a story. <clears throat> yeah, last last year, probably in February, uh, I got a phone call from my daughter who lives in Jacksonville, Florida, about an hour north of where we live. And she said uh, her son Michael, my grandson, my oldest grandson, had, was skiing in Colorado, and he had a very bad accident. And uh, he had uh, uh, two broken vertebrae in his back, broken collarbone, uh, ribs, and uh, a very bad neck injury that pretty much crushed an artery in his neck. Now, praise God, we're designed with two arteries. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and he was, he was in the hospital. And uh, she flew out there. He was spent three weeks in a hospital in Denver and uh, finally came home. Um, and I went to visit him after he'd been home, maybe a week or so. And uh, we had a nice visit. We talked for a little while. And he told me that uh, he doesn't remember. He hit a tree. He doesn't remember hitting the tree. He just knows that the conditions weren't really good, and he went around the corner and probably lost control and hit a tree. Now, he hit the tree sideways, which probably saved his life. If he'd have hit it head on, I think he, he'd have been dead. But he says, I don't remember hitting the tree. The first thing I remember was 
There were, I was on the ground, there were people hovering over me and saying things to me. And of course, they got him off the, off the hill and into the hospital. I said, Michael, what would have, what, where would you be if you hadn't awakened? And he said, I don't know, which I thought, well, that's a good answer. I was ready if he'd said in heaven or hell with a, with a response. <laughs> but the fact that he said, I don't know, Grandpa, where, where I would have been. I said, well, I can tell you there are only two places you would have been, and you know what they were. Uh, and uh, God has given you a second chance at making that decision. Are you ready to make it? And he was not. Not then. Still praying for him. Still praying for him that he sees the second chance on life that God has given him. Yep. The free gift. Now, but to add to the story, one of the things that I do in uh, Florida is uh, uh, I minister uh, occasionally in, in a prison uh, in, in uh, Daytona, Florida. It's a maximum security prison. And uh, our church, we have like one or two Sundays or one or two Saturdays a month where we use the chapel, the service. It's open to the entire population. And we also spend the same day going to the work camp. The work camp is where guys are on their way out and they're actually working outside, but they have a place to come at night. So I had uh, ministered in the afternoon service and we went to the work camp and shared the same uh, s program that I had prepared for, for that. And I, there was an altar call. My, the partner, the guy that I go with, he, he had an altar call. He, he, he invited people to come and give their lives to Jesus. And uh, we often do that, and there's very seldom a response. But... Uh, I said, I want to I tell you guys a story. And I told them this story. And I said, it's a choice. It's a choice you have. Even here, in this place, you know, God can forgive you of whatever you've done. But it's a choice. You have to receive him. And one guy came up and gave his life to Christ. And so, so I wrote my grandson a letter <laughs> and I said, I just want you to know that because of your accident, someone has come to Christ. I haven't heard back from him, but I had to write that letter. That was the voice of God saying, Use another gift that you have, which is writing. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I got out of broadcasting, I examined my, my marketing, my resume, and I said, my God, all I've done is talk into a mic for, for nine years. <laughs> Who's going to hire me? A carnival barker, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. The only other, gift, the only other thing I had was a writing ability. So, so anyhow, I wrote that letter to Michael, and I wanted him to know. that that accident brought someone to Christ. 
shared it with his mother. And she was pleased, but she'd be even more pleased if it were Michael that had come to Christ. It's a gift. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. What is your gift? Are you an encourager? Are you a helper? Are you a giver? Does giving This means more than giving your tithes and your offering. That's, that's a duty. That's a responsibility. But there are people who give with liberality of all things. They give up their time. They give up their talents. They give up their money. He wants us to be givers because we've been given much. Freely you've received, he says. Freely give. It's in his word. It's a gift. I'm looking at the clock. Oh, there's one. Yes, okay, good, good. Wonderful. Oh, that's much better. I don't even have to put my glasses on for that one. <laughs> so, that's just a very brief overview of the gifts and what the gifts mean to me. But Jesus is calling all of us to give liberally and, and use our gifts in his kingdom for his glory, for his benefit. We are to live Jesus because he's in us and he's for us. And if he's for us, who can be against us? We used to sing a little chorus in my early church days. It went something like this. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to give you the words. <laughs> Amen. Would you be poured out like wine upon the altar for me? Would you be broken like bread to feed the hungry? Would you be so one in me that I can do just as I will? Would you be life and light and hope, my word fulfilled? And we would sing, yes, I'll be. But were we? Are we at that point yet? Where, where we are poured out? Where we are broken like bread? It's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's got to be all, all him and none of me. It's a process. He is slowly removing all the stuff in me that is not of him so that I can be in him holy. If you've never received Jesus, and I suspect that everyone in here has, but if you haven't, just remember it is a choice, and the choice is yours so long as there's breath in your body, but there will come a time when, if you haven't made that choice, there will be a judgment and you will be found wanting. So if you haven't made that choice, make it today. There will be people here to pray for you. If you have received Jesus, but you want to get closer to him, to know him better, if there are things in the way, whether they be health issues or other issues, there will be people here to pray for you because 
Prayer is the answer. Pastor Dick gave a wonderful example of a simple prayer. Come Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows all about it and knows how to fix it. So, invite you to come. Let me just thank you for the opportunity to share. This has been a wonderful uh, opportunity. This, is, this, is, this was our church, Connie and my church, for 17 years, I believe, before we moved full-time to Florida. And now we're snowbirds in reverse. We come up here in the summertime and uh, not, not, you know, we avoid the heat. No. <laughs> Most snowbirds avoid the snow. But uh, it's always a pleasure to come back and see old friends and family and see some new faces as well. And so we just thank you so much for this opportunity. Father, in the name of Jesus, yes, praise you. Thank you, Lord. Give him the glory. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We just pray for this body, Lord, that you would grow it and make it all that you want it to be, Lord. Get us out of the way and become all in all in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.